You're now listening to the Connected Aircraft Podcast, the official podcast of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit hosted by the editors of Avionics International and Via Satellite. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at gcasummit.com. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Welcome to the Connected Aircraft Podcast. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III. I am the Editor-in-Chief of Avionics, and this is the official podcast of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. You can go to www.gcasummit.com to subscribe to the podcast, as well as learn more information about our annual event, the Global Connected Aircraft Summit. On future episodes of the Connected Aircraft Podcast, you'll be hearing from all of the different aspects of the Connected Aircraft ecosystem. That includes commercial airlines, business aviation operators, pilots, engineers, and aircraft connectivity manufacturers, as well as suppliers, system integrators. And we'll be talking to all of these different entities about just the new and unique uses of in-flight internet, and not only the internet itself, but the business models that are associated with managing and operating the internet, cybersecurity concerns, the ways in which airlines and operators are using connectivity for such concepts as predictive maintenance, as well as to drive efficiencies within flight operations. So here on our first episode of the Connected Aircraft Podcast, we have a very special guest. His name is Brad Stewart, and he is the CEO and chairman of ExoJet. Now, if you're unfamiliar with ExoJet, they are a private jet charter operator. They're based in Sacramento, California, and they operate a fleet of 43 total aircraft. That includes Textron Citation 10s and Bombardier Challenger 300s. They have a 24-7 operations center based in Sacramento, California. And 2018 has been a very good year for ExoJet so far. They're reporting a 31% market share of Part 135 charter flights over three hours within the United States. And in the first quarter of 2018, they experienced an overall revenue increase of 15%. So I had the opportunity to talk to Brad about trends that he's seeing in terms of on-demand private jet flying, which is the type of flying that they do, which is a little bit different from traditional fractional jet ownership used in business aviation historically, as well as what would influence a company like ExoJet to upgrade their in-flight internet service and any cybersecurity concerns that he has about the use of in-flight internet on exojets right now. So thank you, Brad, for joining us on the Connected Aircraft podcast today. Let's start out by talking about just different trends in demand that you're seeing for the type of on-demand flying that exojet does right now. And why is exojet seeing such increased interest in the use of their unique business model in 2018. Yeah, well, we're blessed, right? I and mean, ultimately, we grow because of our client and their belief in us. 
I think, you know, it's pretty simple. If, if you provide good value and excellent customer service, then you're going to win the hearts and minds of clients, full stop, right? There's some underlying drivers that I think are worth teasing out. First off, the market is doing well. Demand for private aviation up and down the spectrum of, of aircraft types is, is going up. And some of that demand or, or capability growth is, is really centered in the types of planes we operate. So larger cabin, you see a drift there. I think there's, there's probably a connection to pilot staffing. Staffing tends to be a little bit better at the, at the upper end of the, the cabin class. Where we're focused in terms of the planes we operate and the customers that we speak to is sort of the epicenter of, of demand for hours. The other big theme I might highlight is just the trend of the industry gently away from fractional ownership and more towards on demand. And there's a lot driving that. I think there's there's value in, in used aircraft, which people are recognizing. There's value in world-class pricing models that motivate people to seek discounts for longer haul flights in better repo, you know, less deadhead flying. You know, there's certainly a, a drift toward less ownership in less client balance sheet focus, where the company, Exojet in this case, carries the weight of the aircraft ownership, well, aircraft financing versus infractional where it's formed by the client. So there's a lot of positive tailwinds that, you know, are behind the company. But really, it's ultimately about do we provide and do we provide service? And so far we have, and the results are, are showing that we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to my next question and really be helpful for our audience that isn't as familiar with your sort of on-demand model. Can you kind of give some background on how that works? What is so unique about that? You know, the fact that Exojet is on-demand and, and also just a little bit of background on your fleet, where you guys operate out of mainly, kind of where your home airport is out there in, in California. So we don't have a home airport. We have 43 super mid jets that we own. We obviously have hundreds, over a thousand more that we have in our partner network. All of the planes that we own and operate, so all of our Citation 10s and Challenger 300s are, are what's called a floating fleet. They don't have a home base, so they're principally located on a transient basis where our customers are. So we have planes in the tri-state, northeast, airplanes in South Florida, aircraft in Southern California, Northern California, global wealth centers in North America. Planes are also scattered, you know, where our customers are being dropped off and picked up. So if, if you looked at a map, we have planes, you know, pretty much all over the country. What makes on-demand, I think, unique, and, and it's really not that game-changing. It's, it's really the trend of the overall economy in that people want to be able to consume a service in a curated way, case by case. And you see this behind Airbnb. I think you see it in, in Uber. You just see it in a lot of different ways that the people are dissatisfied with a one-size-fits-all model. So what on-demand means to me is that you know each customer comes to us on a trip-by-trip basis and says, these are our needs. This is how far we're going. This is how long we're going to be there. This is how many passengers we have. This is what we care about, you know, price point, age of aircraft, size of aircraft. And we're able to design a solution or curate a solution for them for each trip that, that maps perfectly to their needs. When we say on demand, we're really comparing it to fractional ownership where the customer buys a piece of an airplane. And if you study those contracts really closely, if the person doesn't need that airplane, 
They're either flying a plane that's too big or too small. They're flying a long distance. They're paying too much. If they're flying out and back, they're paying too much. And so it's really about just mapping, you know, customer need, customer requirements to what we fulfill. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's exactly what customers need. I think our model is mapped to where the industry is going and where customers are, are going. And, you know, I'm proud to say that we, that we are available to, to somebody who just calls in tonight, tomorrow, and we'll serve them. We also offer an, an industry-leading suite of memberships, membership products that also reward people for their spend with us and for making us, you know, their preferred solution. But that's really just, you know, product architecture or program architecture that is a wrapper around the, the core service, which is what we described. Right. And maybe follow up on that. Can you also describe sort of your average client, your average customer? What are some of the most common passengers that you're serving right now? Well, it's called private aviation for a reason, and that's private. So we don't, we don't go down a list and say, you know, it's this celebrity or it's this, you know, CEO. But it's people who historically were, you know, dealing with a one-off broker that, you know, we've never heard of or you've never heard of or, you know, just kind of a one, one-man band. Or it's people that we're, we're dealing with one of these competitors, the fractional competitors that we described, or a card company that we have all heard of, and who just like the idea of a better, smarter way to fly. We use that phrase internally, a better, smarter way to fly. It's, you know, it's just as safe, the plane you're just as good. There's just a value and service ethos to our company that we think is unique and, and differentiated. So it's all the classic profiles that you would hear in flying private. You know, we tend to be more focused on business than celebrity. We tend to be more focused on sort of global coastal wealth centers than the middle of the country. We tend to be focused more on bigger planes. We talked about that earlier than smaller planes. We're focused right now on, on putting people into membership programs that we think are good for them. So, you know, that's about all I can say about our clientele. For every generalization and stereotype I can, can throw out there, I can think of 10 exceptions. They, they, folks really come to us in all flavors and backgrounds, and we're lucky to have them. Yeah. I also wanted to ask just about the mobile application and sort of the ease of use that gives you. I know you all have been doing that for a while, but can you also just talk about the mobile application? I mean, you can basically, a couple of swipes on your cell phone and you can show up and get on a private jet. Maybe it's not quite that easy, but can you talk about just the mobile app? Is that the kind of the number one way people are booking ExoJet flights right now? It's not, and, it, and it'll still be many years, I think, before it's the primary way in which people book. So really, this, this gets into a question of our relationship with JetSmarter. So JetSmarter is a commercial partner to ExoJet. They're obviously the leading digital private jet broker and the leader really in innovation behind democratizing private aviation. Their big theme is to be able to fill every seat, right? So whether it's filling an empty leg flight or creating a shuttle or a shared charter, their concept is really about trying to increase utilization of all the seats on a private jet. But they're also big and making great inroads in, in digital brokerage. And as part of that partnership we have with them, we're flying a lot of people who are booking through the JetSmarter app. We're also developing with JetSmarter an app that would be branded ExoJet and would allow ExoJet members, not ExoJet ad hoc clients, but ExoJet members to book directly through our app, which will be designed by, by JetSmarter. My view is pretty clear on this one, but I think there's a time aspect that needs to be understood. This is 
is the future. And for an average or straight down the middle of the fairway type charter itinerary, so something in North America for an established type of aircraft, light jets, mid jets, super mid jets, the majority, certainly more than 50% of all bookings will occur via digital in some period of time that's not that hard to comprehend. So maybe three years or four years or five years, this is the wave of the future. I think the best service providers will include both analog and digital capabilities so that if something changes with the itinerary or if there's a unique requirement to the trip, special catering, international, for example, anything that's sort of a little bit different than the straight down the middle of the fairway itinerary, I think there needs to be an analog client service infrastructure that complements the digital. But this is the future. It's required to compete. I think it'll be great, great for clients. I'm really excited about the combination of analog and digital. Yeah, it's a very interesting time. I, I, I didn't realize that. I figured it might be the number one way now, but but not quite yet. That is is pretty interesting application, though. Okay, and I did see that you all have acquired two new Citation 10 aircraft. When do you expect to enter those into service, and just what drove that decision to acquire two new Citation 10s? Yeah, so I just heard from our maintenance team that those planes will be ready to go on September 15th. They're currently in our forecast, or our financial model is as entering service on October 1st. So sometime right around that, September 15th to you know, early October, they'll enter service. They'll, they'll be our 42nd and 43rd super mid that we own and operate. They're currently in, in what we call refurb. So they were, they were purchased, used, and they're being painted. Their interiors are being completely overhauled. You know, ADSB out compliance is being facilitated, uh, you know, just all of the different things that the jet cabin experience is being installed and, and the look and feel is being a lot of the brand. The decision to invest in those two planes is really straightforward. Number one, we've got the client demand for it. You know, we're blessed now 90% of our business, 90% of all business that ExoJet controls is direct to consumer, meaning that it's being done through our own retail sales team. He's not necessarily dealing with a broker, but dealing with the end paying client, whether it's a corporation or individual. And, you know, with that success in direct to consumer, we've just seen an increased, you know, demand for our fleet and for our partner fleets. So we believe that we have the demand and it's good. There's good money to be made in each aircraft that we operate. So there's a customer need that's being fulfilled and there's a financial opportunity that's being captured. So, I'm excited. Um, we've got options for two more. So for our 44th and 45th aircraft that we would own and operate, we need to exercise those options by the end of the year. My suspicion is that we do, but you know we, we are going to hold out for another few months before we make that decision. Got it. You definitely mentioned what's really important to us is that interior is being overhauled right now. Now, what type of cabin amenities, in-flight entertainment, and connectivity will be featured there? Have you all introduced any new cabin IFEC upgrades recently, maybe within the, the last year or so? We haven't really. I mean, our brand standard is both aesthetic and a level of connectivity that's, that's been around for several years now. So i not sure if you spent much time on our airplanes, but they all have a sort of cream kind of matte color motif. All the seats are, you know, redone, obviously, when we purchase an airplane, but, but fairly regularly as well. All of our sort of metal is, is a pewter, you know, it's a very it's a modern, fresh look. It's not over the top in sort of luxury or, or some sort of kind of in-your-face brand standard. It's very understated and 
classy. That, that would be the best way I could describe it. It's also built to maintain wear and tear real well. So, you know, a lot of our flying is obviously done in the Northeast, and the Northeast has a lot of storms in the wintertime, and that produces, you know, a lot of, you know, tracking of snow and, and dirt into the interior. The way we've built the interiors is to be able to accommodate for that. So it doesn't show up, and it's not extreme when just a footprint is on the runner, for example. But it's also built to be able to replace a lot of that stuff very quickly so that we can maintain a fresh look feel. Wi-Fi, I mean, we, almost a decade ago now, were the first on-demand charter fleet to be 100% Wi-Fi connected via Google. We're obviously still 100% Wi-Fi connected. We're looking at different ways to maybe you know, upgrade that connectivity to enable streaming and whatnot. The customer demand for that is not overt yet, and the capital requirement is pretty significant. So we're not at a point where we're going to upgrade the connectivity at this moment. I think, I think what we've got is fine. But we are looking for ways to improve the in, in-flight experience. And then most of our you know, fleet does have cabin management systems and cabin entertainment systems. So few customers use that stuff now. I mean, people are on their phone. They're on their iPad or computer. We're really seeing a, a pretty stark movement away from the entertainment options that are established with the aircraft to, to personal devices. But if you, if you want to know more about that or you have questions, I, I would go look at an airplane. I think it's your best bet to get the to get the real experience. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned something there that's interesting that you're not really seeing the demand there yet to inspire you all to upgrade the Wi-Fi at all. Just want to get a little bit more into that. How do you measure that? You know, do you all do, is it mainly just customer response and and kind of customer assessment of it? Or do you all test it out yourself? Or how how do you kind of measure the performance of the in-flight connectivity? Well, I mean, every day we're flying 100 to 150 hours on our fleet, which, you know, Translates to 37, 3,900 hours per month, literally hundreds of customers across thousands of hours every month and every quarter. So there's, you know, and when you're 90% direct to consumer, you're in active dialogue with many of those customers every day. So, you know, plenty of solicitation and, and feedback, just asking questions, customer interviews. But yeah, I mean, on, on top of that, we do what we can to be in the aircraft. I mean, I try to get onto a couple airplanes that we own and operate every quarter. And, you know, talk to the crews. You know, if I see planes coming through San Francisco or Oakland, I'll oftentimes just go out, do a walk around, sit in the seats, you know, poke around just to make sure that the look feel is, is what we expect it to be. Sure. And also wanted to know, considering, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the nature of the clients that you serve, you all also use internet connectivity within your operation. What are you all doing just to address cyber concerns? That's a big concern for pretty much any industry right now. But just as, as far as ExoJet goes, you know, how do you all just ensure that the, the connectivity you're providing is secure and that everything your clients do are, is, is protected? Yeah, you know, I don't know if you're ever as, as good as you need to be here. We, you know, have an internal IT team. We invest in, you know, various technologies that, that allow us to protect our customers' data. Anytime a client, for example, is going on to a network, there's some risk and there's some exposure. To the best of my knowledge, we've never had sort of a, a breach or a complaint, you know, about sort of cyber risk or exposure on the GoGo system. So that's, you know, it's one dimension where, you know, we're using the same system that the airlines are using and, you know, there will be breaches, there'll be, you know, exposure, there's risk on, I think, any network, but, you know, we're using the best 
the biggest, you know, the most widely understood standard. So I feel good there. And then internally, you know, we, we just have a lot of protocol on how we use customer information. You know, we're very customer oriented organization that really takes every dimension of safety and security seriously. We have, a, we have an executive that's entire job, you know, even outside of IT is to think about client security and client safety. You know, we're also partners with another TPG portfolio company called Gavin DeBecker and Associates, which is, you know, mostly a physical security business, but, you know, does have expertise in information security. So, you know, we're constantly looking at risk and exposure to date. You know, we've been very fortunate. You know, there are issues at the FBOs from time to time and, you know, different things that, we need to investigate and explore and, and you know, work with our partners to, to try to solve and, you know, create improvements. But so far, we've been, we've been quite lucky, quite fortunate. And, you know, it's also a reflection of, of the good work we've done. Okay, great. Last question. Are there any new features, any new program updates that you all are looking at rolling out for the remainder of the year or, or maybe over the next year or so? solutions and you know some of that architecture had been in place in the prior program architecture but but we've really doubled down on partnerships and you know that's probably the, the biggest sort of innovation and so again I encourage you to go to our website check out all of our partners I and mean, we, we're so lucky so blessed I mean we, we talked about GDBA but it's you know Hertz it's Pebble Beach it's Pinehurst it's Yellowstone Club it's Sail Resort there's it's just a long lineup, Mandarin, Etihad. And our members, you know, have benefits at each of these companies, certainly preferred access to them. That's probably the biggest change in, in the last year. Rolling forward, I think it's the digital connectivity that, that we talked about, you know, an app, different client interfaces that, you know, complement what we provide in a concierge level service. So, you know, right now the, the basis of our of our conversation with clients is really people talking to other people. And I think the biggest change in the next year will be amplifying that human conversation with a app-level conversation. That's probably the biggest change that we should expect in the next 12 months. Okay. Great. Like I said, thanks again for joining us today. I uh, really appreciate your time. We'll definitely look to follow up where we can and definitely want to see one of those exojets one day for sure. Well, be our guest. Come swing by, you know, work with our good folks at Clan or, or just call or email me directly and, and we'll make it happen, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. You're now listening to the Connected Aircraft Podcast, the official podcast of the Global Connected Aircraft Summit hosted by the editors of Avionics International and Via Satellite. You can subscribe to the podcast and make suggestions for topics and guests at GCASummit.com. Apple and Android users can also find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play.